welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of the Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I'm excited to say I've got Dr. Andrea, the breakup doc, <laughs> live on our show today. So welcome, Dr. Andrea. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here. You're very welcome. So Dr. Andrea, before we get stuck in talking about breakups, what what can you tell the audience about yourself just to give them a bit of an insight around who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So thank you for the introduction. I am Dr. Andrea, the breakup doc. I am a U.S.-based licensed clinical psychologist turned breakup coach. Um, I have a doctorate in clinical psych and after some personal experiences with heartbreak and having all of the clients assigned to me in my therapy, internships, practicums, and trainings seem to be going through breakups as well. I developed a bit of a niche for myself, and my passion is helping people through breakups, um, not only getting out of the pain of the breakup, but learning from it so that your next relationships are even more fruitful and compatible. So that is my purpose in life. Excellent. I think quite often, as it turns out, you know, um, Whatever our previous history is, is is what we tend to attract in terms of clients going forward, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> so sometimes our niche finds us rather than we find it. Absolutely. Yes. I, I never intended to specialize in breakups. I thought I was going to be more of a sex therapist. So I was always interested in relationships, but not the ending of them. So that definitely caught me by surprise. So tell us a little bit about what do you think are the most common reasons in terms of your own personal experiences, as well as probably the, the client's experience that you find that you're working with um, around breakups? Yes, so such a good question. I could talk about this for hours because there are so many reasons, but one of the biggest ones that I see, um, especially in the populations that I work with is what I like to call sunk cost fallacy, which is they've been with someone for so long maybe through different phases of life, maybe their partner helped them through a hard time, like there's a lot of history, a lot of connection, but it's no longer working for them. And they don't feel like they have the ability to leave at this point, that they don't want to have to start over at their current age. Um, they're scared of going back into the dating pool. So people will stay in relationships that are no longer serving them for a really long time and resentment builds, tension builds, and eventually the differences are just so stark that it ends up being a more painful breakup than it needed to be if both people had been honest when the incompatibilities were surfacing in the first place. So a lot of it is just staying in things that you shouldn't be staying in and getting too invested. Yeah, and I think that's the truth for every single person that we do tend to stay in relationships longer than we know what's good for us. And certainly in hindsight, I've looked back many times and thought, why did I stay so long? <laughs> exactly. exactly. And with the sunk cost fallacy, that's the idea that you've already invested so much time, energy, your youth, your, your peak years, whatever it might be, whatever resource you're thinking about, that the idea of ending it at this point feels like you would be losing too much that you'd put in. 
So it's more of a focus on what's already been put in rather than what you have left to live with this person. Yeah, and and quite often there there can be some shame and guilt attached to it, thinking, well, you know, uh, I've I've failed in this relationship as well. That can stop us, can't it? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because one of my biggest, I don't know, motives in this work is that I would love to shift the narrative around breakups that we view a relationship ending as a failure. And in my experience, and I think anyone who's been through heartbreak and come out the other side, we know the truth actually is that ending in a relationship can be a huge success. The longevity and length of relationship is not the marker of success. The connection, the compatibility, the joy you get from that relationship is a marker of success. So when you leave a relationship that's no longer serving you, and you open yourself up to be released from that and free for something better for you, that's success. Staying in something that's not working for you, that's the failure. I so 100% agree with that. And it's such a shame, isn't it, that we're not actually educated around this sort of information when we're in school. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think culturally, and especially for women, I think... um, getting a partner, like getting engaged, getting, finding a husband, a life partner is kind of seen as a status symbol and a milestone that needs to be reached for us to have our full worth. I think conversations are shifting. Um, There's a lot more people staying single by choice, staying child-free by choice. Um, And so that's, that is shifting a bit, but this idea that our partner is kind of something to aspire to and having that, when we get rid of that, or we want to leave that, we view it as a failure. We're losing something that we're supposed to have um, that makes us a real grown up or, you know, a, a real woman. And that is a, another reason I think people stay um, just avoiding that feeling of failure or worrying about what other people are going to think about them. And also, um, I think probably it's getting a bit easier for women these days, because obviously, you know, decades ago, it wasn't so easy for women to end relationships because they were reliant on their partners for income and financial support a lot of the time, whereas now it's a bit easier, isn't it? Yes, and that's another great point because a lot of the people I'm working with, they never saw this modeled for them. A lot of my clientele are in their 20s and 30s, so their parents are in their 50s and 60s, and that generation, there there was a lot of divorce, of course, but there's, there's less modeling of leaving a relationship that's just not healthy enough for you or not compatible enough for you. There's a lot of stay to make it work, maybe for religious reasons, um, worrying about what other people think, a reliance on a, a partner for financial security, things like that. So a lot of the people I work with just didn't, didn't see examples of doing what's best for them emotionally and psychologically. And it feels like uncharted territory. And that keeps people from taking action on ending relationships as well. Yeah. And I I think, you know, probably, you know, the expectation in traditional vows needs to change as well. I've mentioned this before in previous episodes, but, um, you know, certainly having vows around till death us do part don't help, do they? Right. Right. And, you know, combine that with all sorts of cultural influence, like, you know, the Disney princess kind of thing, the rom-com movie industry, we're kind of taught that love is difficult, that we need to be saved by someone, that if you love them enough, you'll work through any kind of pain or obstacles to be with them. And I think all of this kind of programming that we've gotten from various sources throughout our lives makes it hard to, to act on our best interests sometimes. Most definitely. So where do you start, you know, when it comes to a client that's, you know, probably feeling a bit raw around a breakup situation in terms of helping them move forward? 
Yeah. So I, as the breakup doc, I use a lot of medical analogies because I think it's easier for us to comprehend going to a doctor when we're physically sick as opposed to emotionally sick. So the first step for people, and it does depend on an individual case and where they are in the process, because some people I start with, um, they're deciding whether or not to leave a relationship and then might decide to end it. So I'm dealing with the person ending the relationship. That's a slightly different emotional process. Um, but most people are dealing with being broken up with and usually um, unexpectedly, or it wasn't their choice to be broken mm -hmm. up with. So in that case, my analogy is that you were just in a head-on collision. It just happened. So the first step for us is to get you into the ambulance and to stop the bleeding. When you're in an accident in real life, you know, when you're on the way to the hospital, the focus is not on who was in the wrong, start contacting the insurance companies, let's analyze the, the accident. Like, no, the focus is let's stabilize you. Let's get you to a point where we can make sure you're going to be okay. And so to begin with, we don't start analyzing the relationship, who did what, what happened. All we do is we start focusing on stabilizing. We want to look at your day-to-day -day routines, your support networks. What are maybe some things that you neglected while you were in your relationship and not through any fault of your own, just the natural ebbs and flows of being in a relationship and wanting to stay in bed with your significant other on a Saturday morning instead of going to yoga with your girlfriends, you know, things like that happen naturally. So we want to get you into a more stable routine and really utilize the coping mechanisms that are available to you first. That is where we start so that when you're stabilized and the bleeding has stopped, then we can start doing some analysis and some learning from the process. I love that. I love that metaphor that you used. <laughs> I think that's really great. <laughs> you know, stabilizing you. yourself is is a, is a key thing. And um, quite often we do naturally default in the blame game and, and, and tend to finger point, don't we? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's really hard because breakups are one of the most personal rejections that you can face in life in general. Um, you know, getting let go from a job or not hired for something can also evoke some of these same feelings, but relationships are so personal that when someone says they don't want to be with you anymore, it's a massive ego injury. And that feeling of rejection, people respond differently based on their histories and how they're wired and, and whatnot. A lot of people get really defensive in that moment. Like, I'm not the problem, you're the problem. Mm -hmm. um, some people kind of spiral into self-hatred and, and um, really low self-esteem moments. Like, of course, he left me. I'm terrible. I'm awful. I suck. I'm, I'm ugly, whatever it might be. Um, so people have different reactions to that. And we've got to get you to a point where you're seeing things a little bit more clearly because those initial emotional reactions are not likely to be helpful in the long run. No, and um, I think it's also important to educate people about uh, the word rejection. You know, it's not a rejection. It's just feedback. You know, at the end yes. of the day, they're doing you, a, if you look at it in hindsight, that they're actually probably doing you a favor because they're obviously not the person for you, because if there were, the relationship would be working out. Absolutely. And this is the crux of it that is so, so hard to embody when you're in the emotional pits of it. It's so hard to really believe that. And me having been on the other side of breakups several times, but one really bad one in particular, that is my attitude about it. Now, he did me such a favor. I was too committed. I, I was essentially married in my mind for better or for worse. And it was for worse a lot of the time towards the end, but mm. I was in it. And if he hadn't broken up with me and it was, I mean, it destroyed me temporarily, but I wouldn't have the partner I have today, the life I have today. It redirected me in such a wonderful way 
But of course, at first, I was only focused on the rejection, especially because there was an infidelity involved, and he then ended up with her, and a lot of comparison, and the the ego injury was huge. Um, it took a while to get to that place, and that's a, a, a place I try to get my clients to, seeing it for the blessing it truly is. And the closure is just that they don't want to be with you anymore. Why would you want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you? Absolutely, and it's, it's about also picking people up isn't it and and re-empowering them and and letting them know that they are loved and uh, they are worthy and they are enough mm -hmm. and obviously in that relationship that's no reflection on that absolutely I I talk to my clients a lot I'm big on metaphors <laughs> so another one that I have is that certain foods are delicious on their own or delicious with other foods but put together icky gross like I love cheese I love chocolate I do not want to dip my cheese in chocolate. That doesn't <laughs> great. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with cheese. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with chocolate. They just don't go well together. And so I use that with my clients because there's this with the rejection piece. And I love your reframing of that as feedback. It's not that you're bad. It's not that you're worse than this other person they're choosing instead. It's a compatibility thing. And that serves you if you look at it through that lens. Yeah. And uh, I think it's like, um, taking the road of tinted glasses off and, and seeing things clearly for what they are and the, the reality is that they're doing you a favor they're obviously not the person for you and they're freeing you so that you can be with the person that is meant to be for you yes I love and I love that you said rose-colored glasses because I, I use that term a lot with my clients and that's kind of the second step after we get you stabilized then we want to take off the rose-colored glasses we want to look at you know what actually happened in the relationship what what didn't you get from this person that you might have been asking for repeatedly? You know, what wasn't working? What wasn't compatible? And getting that understanding um, is helpful in taking the rose-colored glasses off because we all fall into that. That's part part of the cycle of healing from a breakup. Is you know, we might be angry at first, and then we start missing them. And mm. oh, but they were so nice, and they were so funny, and I'll remember this trip we took together. It's like, yeah, but remember the screaming at, until three in the morning because they didn't pick <laughs> them up from the airport like they promised. Like, mm. <laughs> so let's look at that too. No, I think what what are the red flags that you noticed in your own breakup um, experiences, as well as what you can probably share, you know, from your client experiences that that will let people know that might be listening to this that they're in the wrong relationship. Yes, um, red. I love thinking about red flags, and I know it's it's kind of in vogue right now to talk about red flags and yellow flags and green flags mm -hmm. and all of that. And so, you know, at the risk of of I don't want to over pathologize the relationship, but it is important to, to look at that stuff. And in my relationship, um, we were really young when we met. I dated um, this particular ex when, from the time I was 19 to 24 and really thought we were going to get married, um, had plans to do that. But early in our relationship when I was 19 and he was 20, I wasn't thinking about his character to the extent that I, I would as an older person with more life experience. So some of the red flags with him were hearing these stories about things that he would steal from his workplaces, um, different lies that he would kind of like different schemes that he was involved in. Um, there was, he would steal equipment from a job and sell it with his friends. I mean, granted they were in high school and he was telling me about the story, but uh, you know, that should have like raised, mm -hmm. raised a little flag. Mm -hmm. um, it happened again at another job. He like stole a printer and like brought it home. It was so weird. And I was like, there's, there's a lack of integrity here. He would cheat on exams in school as well. So there was just a lot of, a lot of red flags in the integrity department. And then 
Um, he would also lie about which city, which town he was from um, in his area because he wanted to come across as more wealthy than he was. And if he said the name of the town that he grew up in, that had a reputation of being a little bit more working class. So he wanted to puff himself up and say he was from this other town um, that his, I think his mom then lived in, but not when he was growing up. So things like that, dishonesty, um, obsession with status and what other people think of him to the point that he's willing to flat out lie about it, things like that, just character things that when I was young, oh, whatever, oh, that's the past, oh, that's separate from me. Mm-hmm. And of course, he would say, you know, oh, I would never lie to you like this. Yeah. Um, so in hindsight, like there were a lot of a lot of red flags and the relationship did end with an infidelity um, and potential other ones throughout the five years that, you know, he wouldn't cop to. But um, if I had paid attention to those things earlier on, the relationship wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. And the, the red flags that I hear about from clients tend to be in the same category. They're, they're things about their level of empathy. They're things about their integrity and things about their own kind of sense of self and self-esteem that are concerning. And, and there's a quote that I'll butcher here, but um, the gist is the red flags you ignore in the beginning will be the reasons the relationship ends later. Yes, absolutely. And I think if you're ever saying to yourself, you know, I deserve better, that is a red flag in itself, isn't it? Absolutely. And when I go through um, one of my services, it's called relationship diagnosis for people who are unsure if they should stay or leave um, for their relationship. And that's one of the questions I ask is how much are you justifying their behavior? How much are you saying, well, I wish it was like this, but at least this. And well, you know, he was having a really stressful time at work. And you know, like how much how much justification is there? Because that's a red flag. There shouldn't yeah. be a high degree of justification in your relationship. And I think we do that and make excuses for their behavior because we don't want to feel that sense of failure within ourselves, even do we? Absolutely, because acting on that means we have to recognize that maybe we missed something or made a bad choice to begin with. That's not really how I look at it, but that's how it feels in the moment. And we don't want to admit that to ourselves or to other people a lot of the time. Yeah, and um, I'm somebody that's been through a 23-year marriage, which was you know, quite a happy relationship. But because I'd been through some serious sexual assault before I got into that relationship, my heart was very closed and guarded and there wasn't a lot of passion in that relationship. And I know now, you know, that was down to me more than him (laughs) because my heart was so closed and I didn't know any better. So I ended that relationship um, not knowing how to create more passion in that relationship and not really realizing, you know, my own sort of frigidity and um, coldness and confusion in that relationship was down to my, you know, what happened previously. And uh, maybe if I'd been able to, uh, I suppose, access more, um, I suppose, advice and wisdom from somebody outside of that relationship, maybe that could have worked. I don't know. But it just seems sad sad to me now, though, when I look back, that obviously um, that was a, a good, strong relationship. But, you know, for me, all that mattered in that relationship, that is what is that I felt safe and secure and protected. And that was enough for me for 23 years. Yeah. I, I love that you share your story like that. And it it makes me think the other crux of, of what I do with people is like the level of insight that you've reached 
for your situation, the fact that you can look back and say, because of these experiences, I was this way and I needed this and I wasn't able to this. And now I know this, so I can this. That whole process that you go through, that's what I, I like to help people with. And this is you know, my little plug for working with someone with um, a mental health background, because we can we look at all of the, the past experiences, the past relationships, past traumas. And once we're through the stabilizing phase and the rose-colored glasses phase and you know some of the process, um, one of the steps is let's look at your contribution. Let's look at who you were in this relationship, what attracted you to this relationship in the first place. Um, yes, what were the red flags that you noticed in the beginning, but why did you ignore them? What about your history felt it felt safer to ignore that than to face it head on? And getting that deeper understanding can propel people into better relationships in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a case of don't beat yourself up because we don't know what we don't know until we do. Absolutely. Do we? Mm -hmm. Yes, I've noticed I've, I've had a couple clients um, one in particular, the only client who's ever <laughs> really gotten angry with me and kind of quit working with me in the middle. And I think she just, she wasn't quite ready because every, when we got to this stage of kind of looking at, you know, looking in the mirror and, and what were, what were your contributions and not from the point of who's to blame, but just in an understanding what happened kind of way, the shame and guilt around some of her behaviors were was so high that it, the healing couldn't take place yet. And so we, we tried to work on that for a little while. And, and unfortunately, um, she, she left, but it really highlighted for me the need to say this outright in my programs. Like this, the, the guilt that we have over our past behaviors is just adding insult to injury. It's not going to help propel you in your healing. We need to just understand that we acted that way for a reason at the time. And if we can get a deeper understanding of what that is, in hindsight, you'll have more control to not do those things in the future. And that's the goal, right? We're just here learning and trying things again. That's what life is. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, 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 it isn't, as I say, a, a case of, um, you know, now you're aware, so you need to beat yourself up. It's, it's a case of now you're aware, you know, let that information empower you going forward. Exactly. Could not say that better myself. So... What what do you think are some actions that somebody could implement now in terms of, you know, if they're actually going through um, a heartbreak situation to help them feel better? Yeah, the number one thing, um, and this, you know, I guess I shouldn't say number one because in my work, we do the stabilizing first, but the biggest thing after you're stable, yes. the first thing you should do is it's a mindset component. It's do you really believe that you can heal from this, that you will be okay? And if you can get to a point where even if it's hazy, even if you're not completely embodying that belief, where you can say, you know what, I'm probably going to be okay, I can get through this, that is the biggest game changer. The, the biggest difference I see in people who successfully heal from a breakup and those who stay stuck is this mindset piece. If you're telling yourself, I'll never get over it. I'll never find love again. No one else will love me like that. I'll never connect with someone else like that. Those are the thoughts that you're feeding your brain. That will become your reality. Um, and I talk about this on my on Instagram all the time that whether you believe you can or you can't, you are right. So if you can get into a good headspace of possibility of recognizing this sucks right now and I hurt so much and I will be okay, 
that will make the process so much smoother. And of course, that's not a one and done. It's a constant work to keep your mindset that way. But that that is a great start. The next thing to do within that, and it's related, is looking at how this breakup might be benefiting you. And there's always something in that. I've had breakups that ended very amicably where we were still madly in love with each other, but just wanted different things in life. Um, he never wanted children and I did. That's not something you can compromise on. No. It's not something you can do halfway. So we had to end that relationship. And this phase was really hard for me. It was really hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that this was actually for my benefit because of the connection I had with this man. And I had to remind myself, I will not be able to have the life that I want to have in the future if I stay in this relationship. And that's tricky because as humans, we're, we're much more tuned into the here and now than mm. the future. Um, we want to do what feels good right now. We want to smoke the cigarette right now because lung cancer in 20 years, oh, that's far away, you know? <laughs> so, so thinking about how is this breakup actually benefiting you? In what ways will you be able to have something you wouldn't have been able to have with that partner? And starting to look at the incompatibilities that might be there. How could this be serving you? That's a great step to take in the mindset category as well. I love that because somebody's instant response would be initially to say, oh, there's nothing. But actually, there are always, once we dig a bit deeper, there are obviously some good things, aren't there? Yes. Yes. And that's tricky because... The, the response I hear a lot to, to this is, but I love him. <laughs> That's usually verbatim what I hear from people. But, <laughs> yeah. but I love him. And yeah. my point is, that's okay. That can also be true. Um, and in psychology land, we love talking about the gray area of things. It doesn't have to be either or. It can be both and. You can love someone and know they're not the right person to go through life with. You can love someone and know that you deserve to be treated better. Those things can coexist. And in my opinion, and this is something I could also talk about forever, love is not enough. Love is imperative, but it's not enough. If that's the only thing going on, you need to have shared values. You need to treat each other with respect. You need to enjoy each other's company. You need to be on the same page about certain things. And if all you have is love, but not those other things, the relationship is probably not going to last a significant amount of time. I think quite often, I know that I've been guilty of this, Quite often we can be guilty of um, being in love with the idea of being in love rather than actually, you know, in hindsight, realizing actually I wasn't that in love with them. <laughs> yes, yes. I hear this a lot. And it, it is interesting because I do work with a lot of men as well. Um, but this tends to be a more female thing of kind of dating for potential. And I'll hear, well, you know, he he's been mooching off of me for years, but when we met, he had just started his t-shirt company and it seemed so promising. It's like, you have to, you have to readjust when new data comes in. You can't just operate on that first hopeful potential place that you were mm. in with this person. You have to mm. look at reality as well. Yeah. But, and, and sort of base your opinion on what is, yes. not what might be. Yes. Cause Unless I find that seems really, oh, yeah. Unless you're sort of seeing really, you know, um, a lot of constructive, consecutive actions that are showing you that there is that incremental positive progression. Yes, absolutely. And so the people who are in love with the idea of being in love are much more likely to ignore some of those red flags, right? 
um, because enough is going well that they want this to be the thing. And that's something I find, especially with my older clients, this idea of kind of the biological clock or some kind of societal clock and pressures to settle down or have a partner where they will try to force this, you know, square peg into the round hole constantly because enough is good. The chemistry's good. They're attractive. They have fun together. They'll try to force a relationship out of that, even when the values aren't there, even when some of the, the treatment isn't good. Um, they'll just force it because they want to be done. They want to arrive at partnership. Yeah. And that, that's, that's not really a way to enter or really commit to a relationship, is it? No, not at all. So, Dr. Andrea, tell us a little bit about how our audience can contact you and connect with you if they're interested in finding out more. Yes, I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me at Dr. Andrea Liner uh, with dots between the names. And I um, do a weekly question box on my stories where you can ask me your breakup or dating questions. And I post a lot of free content on there. And all my links are also on my bio there to find um, how to work with me. Excellent. So any final words around this really hot topic of um, helping people, specifically women, around breakups that, you know, somebody might be listening to this might need to hear? Yes. If you are going through a breakup right now and you're in pain and you're upset about it and you're feeling like you don't have a future, I want you to know that that does not have to be the case. And I, I say this with 100% certainty. If you can follow a good healing process and learn to look at this for as a blessing in disguise and really analyze the compatibility of your relationship, you will be setting yourself up for a relationship that is beyond what you can even fathom right now. And it's so worth investing in this process of healing and learning from where you've been because as life goes on, your romantic partner is one of the most important choices you make in your life. And so invest in yourself, invest in your healing and know that it's possible. It is. I've seen it for hundreds of other people. I've seen it in my own life. It's possible for you too. Excellent. Love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrea. It's been really, really insightful and a fabulous conversation. So really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for having me. So listeners, it just leaves me to say true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.